0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Psychology Godfather podcast. I'm your host, George Joseph, and this is episode number nine. On today's episode, I will talk about my experience of being a therapist and share with you the inside scoop of what goes on behind the scenes, what I keep in the back of my mind, what are the fundamentals of providing good psychotherapy, successful psychotherapy. So I take you on the other side of the couch and expose you to the thought process and the fundamentals of what I believe, after years of practice, over 20, is what has helped me to be the best therapist I can be for you and for my clients that I serve. So number one, good therapy is based on trust and confidentiality. So... Everyone essentially who comes in, and maybe if they don't come in, I'm sure, has an issue with trust. We've all been hurt, we've all been cheated on or let down or betrayed or hurt and, and, and emotionally. And so part of the corrective emotional experience of good psychotherapy is based on a healing, trusting. Safe and confidential relationship. So, confidentiality essentially is that what you say to your therapist stays between you and him or her. And unless required by law, if you say, I'm going to go out and hurt someone or I'm going to hurt myself, it remains part of the therapeutic relationship and the therapist should not repeat it. So, that's the backbone and the basis of good therapy. And that, for many, many people, takes a while to establish. You can't come in once and establish a healthy, trusting relationship with a therapist. You're going to be going through a testing phase. And you may or may not be aware of it, but you're looking for little cues here and there to see how authentic is this person? Can I trust them? Are they trying to get my money? What's their angle here? So trust and confidentiality. Without that, forget it. You might as well turn the tape off now. So that's number one. And that, again, depends on the person, but takes a while to establish. Okay, that's number one. Number two is I avoid making a diagnosis. A diagnosis is required by managed care for therapists or counselors or psychologists or psychiatrists that are reimbursed by insurance companies to provide you with treatment. Diagnosis is based on the medical model, the disease state, saying something that is wrong with you. Well, here's my diagnosis for people. You're human. We're all human. And I avoid making a diagnosis unless it's absolutely necessary. And I'm sure I'm going to get some hate mail or critiques by the armchair quarterbacks out there saying, well, how can you treat someone without a diagnosis? Again, my diagnosis is that you are a human being. No one's perfect. We all make mistakes. You're human. So depending on the situation, I may say to someone something like, well, you present with symptoms that according to the psychiatric literature and the DSM-5 suggest that you could have blank diagnosis borderline personality, bipolar, major depression, anxiety, whatever the case may be. But I avoid giving people a label because labels have really little to do with reality. And there are studies that have been done that demonstrate that you could have the same problem and go and see like five or ten different therapists and get five or ten different diagnoses. So there's, there's really a low, low reliability. It's not like a, you know, a broken arm that you go to the doctor and we can x-ray and measure it and show you, oh, here, it's a broken arm. Well, we're dealing with a mind and we cannot see. We're dealing with a human being. It can't be measured. You can't be measured that way. So I avoid that at all costs. Number three, I admit my mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Part of having a genuine, caring, healing, clinical relationship is going to involve mistakes. No matter how smart you are, how well trained you are, how much you care about the client, you're going to make a mistake. So I try to be as transparent as I can be with the person I'm working with and say, hey, yeah, you know what, you're right. I messed up that day, or I thought this, or I thought that, and, you know, I I overlooked this and admit it. So try not to be defensive of mistakes. And I have learned over time that that is huge to making breakthroughs and making progress of saying, you know, you were really right. I was projecting my own countertransference feelings against you or whatever, and I missed the big elephant in the room, so to speak, so admit mistakes when you make a mistake, what you do with the mistake is what really matters, so that's where the real test becomes. My perception as a clinician may be vastly different than yours as a client, so I may think we had a wonderful session. that went really well. And you may be completely upset and frustrated and feeling like I didn't listen to you or you wanted to talk about something and it was overlooked or you were looked at a certain way, et cetera. So um, it's being authentic and talking about your experience in the session together. So oftentimes I'll ask a client, I'll say something like... um, so two hours from now, you're driving home in your car or you're you know, out shopping, whatever the case may be, what would you think about this session then? And that's a way of trying to dial in how the person's perceiving the session in the, in the moment as it's happening in, in, in real life with me. Because oftentimes there could be, it's very easy, we're human beings to have a disconnect between what the person's trying to express to you and what you're picking up on. So that's critical. And that taps into blind spots. We all have blind spots and and it's obviously if it's a blind spot you can't see it. So as a result of these blind spots we do make mistakes. So the next one would be my, and this is kind of tricky to, to discuss, but I'll do my best. The use of feelings as clinical data. So, for example, you are upset and reacting to, to a situation, and perhaps you're upset because it's a pattern that fits in with the person and the pattern they recreate in their everyday life with other people. So the feelings are used as a clinical instrument. It's data. How am I feeling about what this person has said to me?